Hey there, friends. Thanks for finding the What Had Happened Was podcast. It's me, Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com, and I hope you're in a very nosy mood because you're about to get all up in my business. Thanks to my buddy, Troy Lyman. This is the show's 25th episode, and Troy thought it was high time that people who don't know me for my years as a Dayton Daily News columnist and a Dayton.com writer to get to know me a little bit better. He basically barged into the studio and took over, putting me in the hot seat. Troy asked me all sorts of personal questions about my sordid past, which was odd because I am usually the one asking people about their sordid past. Weird. We get into my childhood in Cleveland and how my mother chucked metal coasters at her husband. How is it that I was an FAA mechanic? Bill Cosby, Bradley Cooper, and why Troy and I are constantly sending each other the most hateful text messages. The What Had Happened Was podcast is a product of Dayton.com, sponsored by Cox Digital Marketing. The podcast is still very, very new and needs all the support you can give us. Like and subscribe to the What Had Happened Was podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you find your shows. So here's that talk with Troy. This is my good buddy, Troy Lyman. <laughs> he did the show graphic. Thanks a lot for that. That's the only thing yeah. he's ever done for me. Oh my whole God. Life. You have everything <laughs> to be thankful for. All of your successes are thanks to me. Yeah. The wind beneath my wing. Mm-hmm. I will. I will always take credit for all of your successes. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Somebody has to, cause I'm so modest. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's how I am. <laughs> so what do you want? Why do you want to come in here? Well, first of all, you've been begging me for years and <laughs> years, years to come and make a special guest appearance on this podcast. But as I was, as I am a fan and I do listen to every episode because I got to get you some downloads. I was thinking that you're the one that's always out and about in the Dayton area, making people's stories known and telling the stories of the movers and the shakers. And I was thinking, I wonder how many of Amelia's audience actually know her story and what makes her a mover and a shaker i'm not a mover and a shaker i'm just a regular person living a regular life well in in your opinion i suppose but i decided that it would be fun to come and take over this what had happened was <laughs> podcast and flip the script on you robinson oh, no. so buckle up oh boy did you really pra- did you practice that at home <laughs> no i'm an off-the-cuff kind of guy you listen to podcasts, so you know how it works. Yeah, I listen. Yes, every every episode. I listen to many others. That's what I mean. You listen to a lot of podcasts. Yes, I do. You know, you know a lot about me already. So I I do, but I don't know that your audience does. And plus, I kind of forget about your stories because I really don't listen when you <laughs> speak to me. So I know that in I don't know. I think your birthday is in like. August. Oh my God. September. You, you know it's September. You know Dig on Well is September. <laughs> one day ago, a long, long time ago, in early September, Annie Robinson of the Cleveland area Robinsons gave birth to a bouncing <laughs> baby girl. And Amelia Robinson, what had happened was. What had happened was? That's your cue. That's where oh, you well, I don't know Tell what us happened. what had happened was. That's your thing you ask well, people. Well, I grew up. I, I don't, well, this is hard to say. What had happened was, I was always curious about the world. I decided from a young age that I was going to go out and find stories. I was always kind of nosy. You grew up in Cleveland. Grew let's, up in Cleveland. Okay, let's start there. I heard in your... Thank you for this. This is really kind of complicated to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you for being the tour guide here. If this sucks, well, then just throw it on the cutting room floor and move on to someone more interesting. 
because you're really not that interested. <laughs> Tell me about it, Sailor. Um, so you were born in Cleveland, and I heard an episode or two ago that you kind of called your neighborhood a hood. Tell us about the neighborhood that you grew up in and what your child, young childhood experience was like growing up in Cleveland. It is the hood. I mean, and that's not necessarily a negative thing. It's a hood, a neighborhood. It's a lot of people who have been there for generations. I grew up poor. didn't know I was poor at the time because my mother had a lot of love and we didn't want for anything. We had a bunch of cousins around us all the time. We all lived in generally the same area. So the neighborhood used to be like uh, before the Huff riots broke out. It was like kind of a bustling kind of neighborhood. But once the riots hit, it turned down and like uh, there was white flight. Black working class moved in and raised their family there. My grandparents were part of that from the South. They came in, wanted a better future for their kids. A lot of issues came into play. Crack happened to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. There was a bunch of bad things happening. So would you overall call your neighborhood lower class, middle lower class? Well, I, wouldn't, I don't like the word lower class. There weren't lower class people. They were people who were working to make their, like, of course, I worked their make their families. They were, they mm -hmm. love their families, but you, I will say it was economically challenged. There if we you go. Will. Okay. It was a poor neighborhood mm -hmm. because of the issues I was talking about before, like you know, white flight. The city was in a downward spiral. That was the era of mistake on the lake and the seventies when like the rivers burned and everything else. And Cleveland was going down um, because of the shifts in um, manufacturing and everything else. Mm -hmm. the, the city was changing. Tell me about your parents. Did Your parents were not married? No. Your mother raised you and your brother as a single mother. Mm -hmm. How did she, what did she do for as a career? You just said that you never knew you were poor. No, how, I never knew I was how poor. How did she do that for you? Well, she worked for a long time. My mother had a lot of bad experiences in her life that I won't get into because that's her story. But she worked for a long time when I was a kid, and then she got on welfare because she couldn't find a job. So for part of my childhood, she worked, 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 worked. Then she was on welfare for a little bit, and then she worked again. So it was like basically her struggling the whole time. She had a bunch of, like, a couple bad marriages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, this one time she, I remember her throwing coasters out the window at my stepfather. Coasters? Like coasters, drink like, coasters? Well, she had, she worked at this place called Apple Company, and they made these giant, like, commemorative plates that were like they had a big giant apple on them and she found out he was cheating on her and she threw out of our apartment when it was on the third floor at him oh damn yeah don't mess with annie damn, so I guess and, yeah. and she had a little 22 and like you know she shot okay. at him one time you know oh my God. <laughs> yeah this is the truth but so like um i'm not gonna say he didn't deserve it but she yeah. probably shouldn't have shot at the 2020 you know she didn't hit him wink <laughs> allegedly she shot her. allegedly she didn't shoot him wink <laughs> let's move on to high school because i found this to be fascinating as part of your story when you first told me about this i thought you were joking i didn't think it was a real thing but you went to aviation high school yes. in cleveland and yes. i had no idea there was such a thing as aviation well high you school. don't know everything do you troy <laughs> i guess i don't <laughs> so tell us how you ended up at aviation high school. Well, first of all, what aviation high school is, how you ended up there, and what your, I guess, career goals and plans were. My career goals never had anything to do with aviation. Like I was saying earlier, I always kind of wanted to be a writer. I wanted to tell stories. I was kind of curious about the world. Didn't know that I wanted to be a journalist necessarily, but I knew I wanted to be a writer. Only reason I went to aviation high school, which was a magnet school in Cleveland that focused on like aviation, like uh, avionics and aircraft control and aircraft maintenance was because my brother got jumped. <laughs> he used to go to like a neighborhood school. He got jumped one day and my mother was like, nope. So she pulled him out of that school 
and put him in aviation. And because I went to another school that was another kind of regular high school, she was like, nope, you're going to go to aviation too. So the only reason I went to aviation is because my brother got jumped when he was like 10th grader, 9th grader, something like that. I had no interest Mm -hmm. at all in pursuing a career in aviation. But you did, in fact, learn how to repair uh Learn, quote unquote, learn. So, <laughs> and this should make anybody nervous who ever gets on the plane. I actually got my FAA license, oh my right? Gosh. And I actually, uh, yeah, I could actually have gotten a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I worked in um, at an airport in college. But again, mm-hmm. only reason I did it was to have something to fall back on, maybe, and because the teachers didn't think I could do it. Right. That's the only wow. reason. Like literally, I had no intention of ever. And for the grace of God. Mm-hmm. In the flying public, <laughs> I never did it because I was not that good. Yeah, <laughs> and that kind of shows you that if you really want something, you can do it, even if you qualify it or not. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's a fascinating story and something that I would never have expected to hear. That as that being part of your story, aviation high school sounds really. Well, it was good. Like I said, I worked in college at an airport, at the High University Airport, mm-hmm. and the guys there were like. Excellent. They took me under their wings, literally. Like, I got to go <laughs> under the wing with them. But I'm uh, uh, Here all week. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys helped me get my driver's license. Just like good um, good old boys from nice. the from the hills. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, is it hills? And, a little hilly. It's very picturesque, for sure, that Ohio University. It is beautiful. If you want to go, go Bobcats. Go yeah. Bobcats. So tell us how you ended up there. This is also a little weird thing. Was it amongst your choices, your picks, your top No, picks? it was, well, I can't remember how I ended up doing a job shadow. At, I think it was my guidance counselor hooked me up, actually. So like I said, I always like to write. So somehow I ended up with a job shadow at the Plain Dealer. And the only reason I went to Ohio University is because I shadowed this girl who was a, was a black woman. She was about, she's a young black woman. She had to be like early 20s, late 20s, somewhere around her, 28 to 25, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I went to Ohio University is because she went there. I said, where'd you go to school? She said, Ohio University. And I said, well, that's where I'm going to. You have a job. I kind of like this job. I mean, she wasn't particularly nice to me. Mm-hmm. In fact, she was like, she took us on a story and she said, here, sit over here and write. And she didn't hardly talk to us at all. But it was that one thing, that one like sort of spark, that one like, oh, this person is like me and she's doing this and mm-hmm. she did this path. So that's going to be an inspiration for me. And, I, and to this day, I have no idea who that child was. <laughs> Since she's a child because, I, you know, you look at 28 seemed like really old. Sure. Or, yeah. Yeah. She might have been younger than 28, but I, she had to be like 28, 25, 28, somewhere around there. Wow. So, but her, you know, taking us out that one day was me and this little pudgy boy was <laughs> she had two kids with her mm-hmm. it kind of was a the thing that kind of set the course of my life that is really crazy how some basically unremarkable person can can have such a huge influence in determining a person's story i love that kind of stuff probably chase down who she was because i know people who yeah. work there when i could probably figure out who she was but like a person who was just doing her life probably didn't think much of it probably has no idea what that yeah. she did for you in your entire future. Well, yeah. I mean, I like kids come in, they sit with me for a couple hours and I talk to them whatever best I can. And, and like, you know, I don't know what happens to a lot of these kids. I don't know if they go off to rob a bank or become, you know, <laughs> you know, a start doctor. Their or start Robinson Fan Club, perhaps. All right. Or something. That's you, baby. <laughs> or like, you know, go it's off true. to write. Maybe one of those one day write the next American story of whatever. You know, you never know. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy how things happen. So while you're at OU, <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of uh, Jerry Springer you, you feel, or feel, Phil Donahue or maybe maybe Oprah. 
Maybe I'm a not Oprah. You just want to be Oprah so Would I pass for for a Rosie or an Oprah? No. <laughs> Where was I? What was I going to ask you? Let's let's uh, break it up. Let's break it up. Let's, let's break it up. Why don't you uh, tell me your top three favorite movies? And then we'll get back to your life story. Three favorite movies right Jaws, now. Jaws, Labyrinth, and probably What Happened to Baby Jane. Jaws, Labyrinth, and What Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just like that. In okay. that order, probably. Great. I wonder what that says about you. It says that I'm awesome. I like adventure. <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> I'm a Virgo and I'm attracted to Leos. Yeah, that's exactly what I was uh, pulling, pulling from those titles. Exactly. Back to college. Okay. You actually forget college because you didn't even know me then. So let's go to your first job. Oh out my of college. god. Let's, let's turn this. I feel like I've always me. known you. I've known you for. What it's been like tw- over 20 Ew, years. You're so old, you're so much older. So, you landed a job in Mansfield uh-huh. at the News Journal. I sure did. Was that your first job? It was in after journalism? an extensive search. <laughs> really? I basically applied to every newspaper in the country <laughs> and actually had really? a weirdo uh interview over the phone with somebody in Texas, this little small town in Texas. And I'm just talking to him and talking to him. And he seemed like a nice guy, right? Whatever. The more I talk to him, the more I realize that, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to be like one of three people in this hotel. Going out there. So I said, oh, thanks for no thanks. So that ended there. But so I ended up in Mansfield after looking at it and applying for a lot of different jobs. Yeah. And that's where we met. It is where we met. I remember. magic was made. That's right. That's where you fell in love with me. It you? is. It really is. I remember the first time that I saw you, I was working in in the advertising and the art department as a designer. And I walked out, walked out the door to go on my dinner break because, of course, it was the evening shift. And you pulled up in this little silver Ford Escort. A little rusty. On the hood of this Escort, there were two like chalk drawing stickers <laughs> as if... As if the the car had run over a couple of pedestrians. And I thought, who the F has chalk drawings <laughs> on the front of their Ford Escort? So you started judging me before I mean, you like, even knew me. This one is particularly interesting. I'm going to make note of her because that's pretty funny. It was actually very, very funny. I'm not telling the story very well. You don't tell any story very well. But, <laughs> but the, the more of the story is that you started judging me. Having yes. <laughs> I was like, first of all, Ford Escort. What? First of all, hatchback <laughs> Ford Escort. Get it right. Yes. It was an extraordinary vehicle. It was. And we drove her to her deathbed. Literally oh, we literally together. did. Mm-hmm. We pulled into that Chrysler Plymouth dealership when she was on her last leg. And yeah, you were going to buy yourself a Dodge Neon. But then you wanted to think about it. We went back out to get into the little Escort to drive away a little escort did not want to start so you said okay i'm buying the neon yeah it was like one of those uh oh well let me think about this and i'll get back with you tomorrow (laughs) haggle 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 (laughs) (laughs) no haggle at all Mm -hmm. like the little rusty was like i'm done (laughs) cough 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 yes she was done god bless her yeah i have a thing where i only want to buy american cars because my my grandpappy worked at fort (laughs) which is so admirable of you yeah, I'm a real American. Fight for my right for every man. You know that's from, right? <laughs> yes. What is you, Hulk Hogan. I don't, know, I don't know. I missed exactly anything that you were saying. I was just uh, trying to play along. But <laughs> thanks for calling me out. The position at the News Journal. You were a reporter and ultimately a columnist. Yeah. Do you remember going on like your first big assignment, your first big beat? Was there 
any memorable stories that you have of covering a murder or covering drugs or being in the crossfire of of guns shooting at each other? <laughs> yes, yeah, sadly I do. And uh, uh, cops yeah. scream at you saying, "Get the hell out of here! You get out of here, rookie!" No, yeah. what, what, what happened? One of my most memorable stories was like I was basically a bubble. I was a bubble-headed girl back then. My head was literally so big on my body. When I look at pictures, I'm like, "How could that neck support that body?" Oh <laughs> You're silly. <laughs> so anyway, so I had my little reporter's notebook, and I'm at this crash. And I'm just walking up to it like I had walked up to crashes before. And I naively walked past this truck and I kind of like um, looked at it, but not really. Saw, saw the police and the fire crews and I went over and I said, hey, um, so I heard this was a fatal. Where's the body? And they go, it's in the car. Because <laughs> what happened was, what happened was, uh-huh. was person in a sports car had drove down the ramp and right into the uh, path of a, a semi truck. And uh, went under the truck, caught the truck on fire, so it was this big explosion, and rolled over the way. The truck driver was still alive, but the person in the, in the car was completely crispy. And it was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And I, like, had nightmares about that for days and days because really? it's like it, it illustrates that you, you are dealing with life and death. A lot of times it was like, you know, you don't really see much, but you see a, you see a little bit always, but not much. But that was like, I'm really dealing with real people here and real situations that really matter and there were times when like i remember also one time a little kid was run over by a car and i went to the hospital this is back before hipaa so you can just go right into hospitals mm-hmm. and i went in a hospital and the mother of the kid was coming out and it was kind of like a hit and run thing where the person the driver took off and so you know i was trying to talk to her but i kind of didn't want to talk to her because obviously you don't want to <laughs> yeah you do but you don't you know yeah. so anyway it's like a young kid that i was i was like asking this woman questions she's crying about her kid who was run over and killed you know those kind of things never really leave you and there's been many many more after that but the ones that were early in my career I probably remember more because they were the ones that kind of set the course of this whole thing we call journalism for me mm-hmm. so but there's lots of positive stories to beyond that let's talk about how we actually became friends I, I could go real inappropriate, but I know that this is a family well, show. Well, it's not a family show. What are you, you going to say? Just not like our normal stupid do whatever do banter. Do. I wonder if this is normal in people's relationships. Just hopping in real fast to remind you that you are listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast, a project of Dayton.com. If you're looking for something to do with your buddies, pals, or friends, we got you covered. Dayton.com is the number one source for what to do, know, and love in the Gym City. This podcast is sponsored by our good friends over at Cox Digital Marketing. Let this trusted name in advertising find solutions for your digital needs. And what we need to do right now is get back to my talk with Troy. So are we normal or not? You and I, we show our affection for each other with insults and inappropriate statements throughout the day. You think others do that or are we just freaks? Like if someone were to pick up my phone and go through my text records of exchanges with Amelia Robinson, they would think that we were enemies and that right. I hated you, which yeah, I just, think is really funny. I know, that's what I think it's funny too, because it's horrible stuff. Like horrible out of the blue, stuff. you like send me the worst horrible thing, <laughs> like insulting, like why would you say that to a person? <laughs> and I felt so bad, like I lost all those messages one time. Mm. And I was like, wow, my messages are gone, because my phone, like I got a new phone and it was like, my messages were gone, I was traumatized, couldn't get them back. Yeah, there's yeah. some dingers in there. Well, I think that's that's the only thing that 
true friends can do because you know the relationship you know the rules of the relationship like that's the that's part of our relationship to like say very very vulgar vulgar and disgusting things to each other that we find funny it's fun (laughs) (laughs) do you remember how we became friends i remember i think so like i explained earlier that i saw you you made me become friends because you saw my car i thought to myself that girl is particularly interesting when i saw that car i thought that's funny somebody who has a good sense of humor has those stickers on her car and we um were tiffany gave me those stickers to our friend tiffany oh that was a good gift then because it was hilarious we were like the young 20 something night crew at the news journal Mm -hmm. and so we i worked in ad you worked in editorial we were the ones that were there till 11 or 12 every night um just passing each other in the hallway we got to know each other from our coworkers, our colleagues i think andrea berg mm-hmm. was officially the one who like connected us yeah socially and we used to go to all the time that's one thing about working at a small town newspaper is that everybody is about the same age except for like the management and all that right but the young crew always hangs out and like goes to the same bar Yes. It was a newspaper bar, and you go there, and you, like, hang out, and we all we were posseed up. We were posseed up. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah, that was a good time. We would go out on Thursday nights. Do you remember the incident that I'm about to t- We would go to the Hills uh-huh. Bar oh, in Mansfield. Okay. Remember, on Thursday nights. And we were we were regulars there, and we were the only people usually there, and we would drop coin. Coin. Because no one was there. Right. So we would go in there and have fun. And there was the one night that I was in there. I was sitting at the bar, I ordered a drink, and there was another man who was sitting at the bar also. And I, sitting there, ordered the drink, and then I overheard the other patrons start talking with the bartender, saying derogatory things about me. Because it was the late 90s and wasn't as okay to be gay. If you didn't know, I'm a homosexual. Are you a homosexual? Wait a minute. It wasn't okay back then. And so I remember hearing the guy saying, what do we have going on here? And what's this? And and it really was kind of frightening me and upsetting me. And so I came to you and said, this is happening. But can we please leave? And so we did. Like the whole group of six or eight of us got up and left. That was the, one of my... But that's not really what happened. Because that's not... We didn't just leave. Lisa left or... Uh, yes. who was a good friend of ours too she, she went off on a dude she went yeah. ham on him she went back in I remember she was shaking she was shaking and crying and that, and that was actually the moment where I said I'm never gonna take this BS this shit from anybody I'm never gonna let, any, let anybody bash anybody in front of me cause I didn't do anything and I always felt like I should have done something but I didn't know what to do and Lisa handled it like, yeah. and we didn't go back we did not go back yeah. but I remember that very well She, she was like okay we're outside of this bar now but I want you to know I'm going back in. She, told she went in. That yeah, was really, that was wonderful. That was yeah. truly wonderful. It's one of my big memories from that time and that group. Like yeah. our little posse. Our little we, were, posse. we were tight. Don't fuck with us. Yeah, we were tight. We were like squat deep. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag we got notebooks. squad. <laughs> and our ink pans deep. Yeah. So the Mansfield was a very good experience. It was one of those groups that you never want to forget. Yeah. For sure. We're a tight group and we remain close, even though we're dispersed yes. now. A couple of us, we still hang out with, or at least talk to Lisa. Yep, love her. Yeah. And I've gone through many and many things with you, and you've gone through many and many things with me. And Yep. 
20 years, 21 years, 20. Don't, don't talk, don't tell my years. business. I used to think that, I used to remember thinking that, you know, when people would say, oh, remember when this happened 20 years ago? And I used to think to myself, God, how crazy and, yeah. and old must you feel if you can actually say, hey, remember when this happened 20 years ago? But the thing about it is, though, it was a lot of stuff that happened. There was crazy clubs and long conversations on the phone and doing crazy. You know, the like, the time we went paintballing, you know. Oh, my God, you're <laughs> yeah, paintballing. You paintballing. Were, little do people know that Amelia Robinson is one tactical, uh, <laughs> vicious warrior on yeah. the paintball field. You held your own, even with an injury, with injury. a bloody injury. You maintained. You bloody maintained. Because I'm going to win. That's why, Troy. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> that was fun. We got to do that again. We keep saying we're going to do it I again. Know, and we that know. was like 20 years ago. Yeah. It really was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Yeah. Have you experienced, because um, right now, obviously, in this. My eye is watered, not because I'm crying, right. but because. Am I making you cry? No. It's my eye. Whenever I look at people for too long, <laughs> I start to cry a little bit. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm it's not. It's okay. It's all right. Like, like, sometimes people think I'm crying. I'm like, please don't think I'm crying. <laughs> my eye, like, this eye in particular starts to water. You should see a doctor about that. They have ointments. <laughs> <laughs> Put some gel in there. Yes. There has to be some type of cream. So, this. He's <laughs> so stupid. I know. This, um political climate that we are in right now with all of the Me Too movements and just the, the whole kind of vitriol of, Look at of you, society, That frankly. was a big word for you. Yeah. Do you have any stories of discrimination that you feel as either a female or especially as a black female that you have had to endure from, say, fellow reporters or police officers or law enforcement that you deal with on a daily basis? Have you ever felt that you were being treated unfairly in any way? Well, yeah, one happened just recently. But before it was, okay, I got a gun pulled on me before by police officers who, I don't think they were actually necessarily uh, racist. I was walking up to a crime scene and the guy pulled a gun on me after Shit. he told me <laughs> to park my car and to come walk up. He forgot that quick that I was a person. But, you know, I've been covering stuff and, like, you see one person get away with something and you're like, I'm not able to get away with that or you're called on something because, you know, that person decided that you may not be in the right place. Hmm. So, but it's not, I mean, it's not rampant at one thing mm -hmm. as far as that goes. So. What year did you leave the news journal and head to Dayton? Oh, 2000 and, wait, it was 2000. Holy crap. You're real old, Troy. Time flies. I Time know. flies. Yeah. I remember bringing you here to look for your first apartment. Yeah. In the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah, it was fun. My tiny little Honda Prelude. Not a very practical car for snow. And anyway. none of your cars are ever practical. I know. You know, I'm trying to turn the conversation on you now. That's just right, a pivot. right. This is a pivot. Oh, this is where you <laughs> regain control? <laughs> you are captain of the ship now? <laughs> I'm always captain of the ship. I can always punch all these buttons right now. Right. <laughs> when did you know that Dayton was going to be a place that you were going to stay and set up your home and life? Well, I, you know, here's the thing about Dayton. Like, I totally thought I would be here for two years, two and a half years. So I had been in Mansfield for two and a half years. And my projection was maybe Chicago, maybe back to Cleveland, somewhere like that. And who knows where I'm going to end up, right? The reason I stayed in Dayton is because I fell in love with a boy. His name was Anthony. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that 
guy who stole you from me. Nobody can steal you from me, baby. No. Or vice versa. Yes, yes, yes. We are one. You remember that one time we made that pact that we would get get married if we did find anybody by the time we were. Yeah, we were like 40 or something. And now yeah. look at us. We're well, like, I found somebody. Yeah, F you. Look at you. <laughs> and I'm no longer no, interested in finding anyone. Well, your name is on every bathroom wall in the greater Columbus area. <laughs> I tried for years and now I'm done. No, you're not. We're going to find you with somebody. Um, wow. And a so brother-in-law. Anthony. How did uh, you meet Anthony? Met him at work. It was the um, inner office romance. That, uh, uh, yeah. And that was that's totally how a lot of reporters meet their spouses. So it's, a, it's a kind of job where a lot of people don't understand the hours or the passion or the crazy thoughts that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we attract each other a lot of times. It's mm-hmm. also like nurses and doctors. Nurse, I'm sorry, nurses and um, police officers get together a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, police officers and reporters have been known to get together. So it's kind of like the kind of jobs that kind of connect people, but they're the same sort of kind of same mentality. Required. Mentality, same sort of stress levels, stuff like that. Um, How did you meet? Uh, do you remember your first date? Yes, it was on Halloween, and a friend of mine, Andrew, would not dress like Ike Turner for me. Okay, so Angie Campbell and. And that's one of our friends, Angie Campbell. Yes. And our friend Angel was like, you should get Anthony to do it. And Anthony, You were going to be Tina Turner. I was going to be Tina Turner. I okay. needed an Ike. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, get Anthony to do it. Because I already knew Anthony liked me and liked me. Oh. Because uh-huh. you can tell people like you, so like you. Modest. He liked me, liked me. Already. <laughs> 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 because uh-huh. we had been hanging out as friends. Mm-hmm. So we ended up going to a couple house parties. And we ended up at Jesse Celebrities, which is... Uh, a now closed gay bar in town, but it was like mm-hmm. the gay bar in town at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. It was they always had a Halloween contest. We mm-hmm. were Ike and Teen in this contest, and I'd be damned if they didn't think I was a drag queen. That's <laughs> okay. So we put a little skit That's, on. Yeah. We, he like uh, one point I hit him with a shoe. <laughs> we were <laughs> and we walked away with I think two hundred fifty thousand dollars each or something like that. $250,000 each. Let's go back 250, and Okay, thank $250 you. $250 each, I think it was. I swear you said 250000 I was like, bitch, you've been holding out. Share <laughs> <laughs> that coin. This whole time. Ridiculous. Yeah, well, if I had $250,000, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Oh, shit. Mm, we'd be in okay. a basement somewhere. Mind our own business. Okay. <laughs> you love Dayton. It's quite clear that you love Dayton yeah. and this community. What makes you love it so much? It reminds me of home. It has become a home, but it reminds me of Cleveland in a lot of ways. It's like the same sort of people who work hard and and really strive and care and welcome you and want to be better and love you and all this kind of stuff. I feel Dayton's a very easy city to sort of dive into and be a part of. I think there's a spirit here, like can-do spirit. The city has been given a lot of bad things to overcome, and I feel like people are still wanting to overcome those and still working to do that, despite the fact these are challenges that a lot of people would find daunting or, like, insurmountable or not. So that's one of the reasons I love it here. And plus, there's a lot of stuff to do. You yeah. Know, we have a bunch of friends. We have a bunch of uh, places to go and people to hang out with. So that always makes it pretty awesome. Yeah. I love Dayton. I love to come and visit you uh, when I actually am willing to pull myself off my couch and away from my dog. We're going to find you a man from this podcast. <laughs> I love to come <laughs> I love to come to Dayton. You're gonna move to Dayton too. There's lots of lots of things to do. It's a lot of fun. Let's talk about pop culture. Okay, go. Pass. <laughs> pop culture talk. Which I'm completely unprepared for. 
What? Well, these are your questions. You came up with these questions you're prepared for. I, I, I told you I didn't really do that much preparing. But it would be nice to have like a theme or a point to this podcast. I feel like you, you did a good job. Oh, thanks. Well, then I'll keep going. I'll do it. We'll just keep diving yeah, into the fine. psyche of Amelia Robinson. Sure. What What's next? What are your goals? Do you have any goals at this point? Because I'm going to stop you right there. And I'm going to tell you something that I'm going through as a early 40s. Who is much older than me because I'm still in my 30s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to ask this advice from you as an elder. So I, <laughs> I am. As an elder. I am in my early 40s. I have a successful career. I don't have a lot of debt. I own a home. I have a comfortable life, an easy life. This is what I always planned for. This is I'm kind of where I always wanted to be. So now what I'm finding a challenge with is what's next? Like, is there a next? Yeah. I have no idea what I want to do next or what even to aim for, what any of my goals are. I just kind of feel like I've pretty much fulfilled everything that I've always wanted to fulfill. Is that silly? Does that sound silly? Do you ever feel that way? I don't feel settled, no. I feel like there's a challenge around every corner. One reason I want to do this podcast is because it's a challenge. I never sat down and said, this is where I want to be in 20 years, really, and really thought it out. It mm -hmm. was more so like I always want to feel challenged. I always want to feel like I'm growing as a human being and I'm able to express myself and get people's stories out there. And that's legitimate truth. I've never, besides thinking in the back of my head, maybe I'll end up in Chicago or Atlanta. Um, the only reason I wanted to go to Atlanta because that's where people were going. It was not like I was hot for Atlanta. In fact, I kind of don't want to move to Atlanta because it's too hot. You <laughs> sure know, yes. you know. So it wasn't like <laughs> any particular reason. It seemed like the thing to do it was to strive to go to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, so I've never been the type who goes, I want to have this particular title or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. I just always felt like I wanted to be able to express myself, challenge myself, be a voice for people, that sort of thing. So I'm not really settled ever. I wouldn't be settled just. So you don't necessarily have a plan for what's next, but you're no you're looking awesome forward is next. to an, an open. Awesome is completely next. I want to have more awesome experiences. I want to go. I want to travel more. Mm -hmm. I want to interview lots more people. Whatever the next technology is, I want to be there doing that too. But I always want to be in the game, be it here or wherever else. That's my intention. <laughs> wow, that's a really good answer. Well, I'm very smart, Troy. Yeah, you try. I know. <laughs> And if, as for you, there's nothing wrong with feeling like you're doing what you want to do and being happy with it as long as you're happy. Yeah, it's just it's just a really weird place like to realistically know that, OK, I've quote unquote made it in a realistic way. OK, I could dream of going to work with uh, Bradley Cooper or mm. moving to Miami and working with Gloria Stefan. <laughs> Name drop. Um <laughs> You know, those things aren't realistically going to happen. Well, why not? If you want to do it, you, you can work for Gloria if you wanted to. I, uh, I think I uh, FYI, Troy's the biggest Gloria fan in the history of the world. <laughs> I do love to do the conga. <laughs> that is true. The rhythm did get me. So, yeah, I don't know. But speaking of, I just said Bradley Cooper. Uh -huh. You had a very special event happen. Tell us about it. Tell us about your Bradley Cooper story. It wasn't really my Bradley Cooper story. Oh, come on. Own it. Not like we hung out or anything. It's basically Bradley Cooper just happened to be in the same place I was at <laughs> with other people. So basically, uh, Dave Chappelle held the premiere of A Star is Born. By the time you guys are hearing this, it's probably old, but it's, it's a movie that you gotta see. Bradley Cooper had come to Yellow Springs two or three times to sort of court David Chappelle into being it, including at his juke joint, right? He was coming here a lot. 
and we were trying to figure out why is Bradley Cooper popping up in Yellow Springs? Because if you're Bradley Cooper, you just can't pop up in Yellow Springs without somebody going, ooh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah. David Chappelle lives in, outside of Yellow Springs. Of course. And he considers it his hometown. Yes. So he brought him here for the premiere. And um, I got wind of it a few minutes before he walked in because one of the people I who uh, got me into the screening, told me he's here, and I was, like, ready for him. Oh, my S. Yeah. Did you S your pants? Because no, I think I, I would have. I mean, he... I'm a professional journalist, things right. like that. <laughs> You're though. not fangirling out all over Bradley Cooper like I would have. No, because, really, let me tell you a little story. Tell me. I've interviewed a couple of celebrities in my time, right? <laughs> okay, yes. Like, not, like, a lot, a lot, but a lot, you know, considering, yeah. you know, just... Just a small town Midwest girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wink. Um, so I've talked to him, and generally they're just people. It's, I'm not going to say it doesn't excite me to talk to celebrities, but it doesn't like, you know, I'm not going to flip out over a celebrity. Right. Because when it gets down to it, they're just people. Yes, they are, but they are also uh, usually breathtakingly beautiful people. Yeah. Like Bradley Cooper, which is where I'm going. Was he as beautiful in person as he yeah. is on screen? Yeah, and he's a cutie. He's a cute person. Was like he, he to talk about the personality? Sometimes I'm not gonna lie. When I see him in interviews and stuff, he seems just maybe a tinge weird. Yeah. And, and by weird, I don't really know what I mean by that, but he seems just a little bit off. But stunningly handsome. Oh yeah, stunningly handsome for sure. But like, so that doesn't give you like the the heartbeat. No, it really doesn't. Because like I said, probably the most well-known celebrity I've ever interviewed was Bill Cosby just before the whole Bill Cosby stuff came out. Right, right. About how he's a pervert and everything. (laughs) Diane Carroll was probably the only person I actually fangirled out over when I I talked to her on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Mrs. Carroll, Mrs. Carroll. (laughs) Because, you know, she played Julia, right? And so, like, you know, I've been watching Julia. It came out before I was born, but we've always watched Julia because she was the first black woman in the big role like that on television she's always been an idol mm-hmm. so that's the only person i've ever fangirled out on probably mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was just a little bit but bradley is weird in the best kind of way and i assume that dave chappelle is someone that you've spoken to you see him around yellow springs and say hello to him mm-hmm. but that's about it um people don't really bother him as much around town that's awesome and i think that's why probably he likes why- to hear exactly yeah i mean i don't yeah want to we tried to inter- I've tried to interview him before through other people, but it didn't work out, and that's fine. I'm not going to. I've heard that the movie is spectacular, and I didn't even know David Chappelle was in it, so that's why I was. David I- Chappelle was it? You should say. <laughs> David Chappelle, <laughs> his formal name. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that he was in it, so when I saw that you were in a screening with Bradley Cooper and Dave Chappelle, I was like, what the yeah. is going on? I was trying to blow up your phone, but then I realized, oh, that's probably not a good idea since you're. In the theater. In the theater, <laughs> yes. And you are the type of person that would forget to shut I your ringer so off. So you have no faith in me at all as a person or a human. <laughs> oh, no faith. Yeah. Well, I guess or just 20 years of experience. Yeah, well, I wouldn't trust me either. Yeah. But I did, in fact, turn my ringers off. Good job. Of all the phones. I've known you for 20 plus years. I don't and know how we didn't go to high school together. So how can you possibly <laughs> know me for 20 plus years? And you've always had a deep a connection and affection with your kitties. You've mm-hmm. always had a cat or two. I think maybe your first cat in Mansfield was Mr. Julio. Yeah, or Julio. Ms. Julio. Mr. Julio, baby. He's Mr. a boy. Julio. Julio was a man. He was. He was <laughs> the man of your house, I do yeah. remember. He was actually my second cat. My first cat was Petey. The reason her name was Petey is because we thought she was a boy at first. 
But she was a girl the whole time. Oh. And then we found out she was a girl. Got you. PD was a wild child. <laughs> yeah. Julio, you had him for quite a long time. Yeah, Julio was my baby. Yeah. My firstborn. And then there was Satchmo. Mm-hmm. And uh they grew up together, right? Like a little bit. Satchmo was schooled by Julio. Yeah, but Satchmo had a mind of Satchmo's own. And Satchmo was uh, very much into me. <laughs> like <laughs> he was obsessed. Ma- like many are. <laughs> he was obsessed. He only liked me, really. He was the most beautiful cat you ever want to see. But he literally only liked me. If you walked past Satchmo, he would swipe you. Yeah. Yeah, instead for me. And one time, me and my neighbor who was gay were like kind of wrestled on the couch playing around. Satchmo attacked this boy. <laughs> Get off my mommy! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's fun. That was Satchmo. And then Ava, who was actually Satchmo's sister, came after Julio died and was like, mm-hmm. and she was a pretty kitty and yeah. she didn't like to play, but, you know, she just liked to be pretty. Yeah. And Anthony, my husband, really loved her. Yes. And now we have Tigger. Now there is Tigger, the world's most spoiled uh, cat ever. Yeah, well, he deserves it. Tigger had a hard <laughs> life. <laughs> well, you guys uh, show a great life in the second chapter of yeah, his life. He gets to go on walks, which I think is the funniest thing, that to take a cat on a walk. Well, he lost a bunch of weight. He was obese. And the thing about it was we first took him in because he was our neighbor's cat, and she went into a nursing home. And we kind of took him in because his alternatives were to be locked in the house or taken to one of the uh, centers here. Mm-hmm. We, we liked Tigger the whole time, so we took him in. And he was dang near 20 pounds. And the vet said, oh, he's okay. Because she knew, like, <laughs> I'm going to take a fat cat home with him. So I don't think that's why she didn't make a big deal of him. But he's lost a bunch of weight. He has. I was just looking at him just before we came to the studio. And he's looking svelte. Yeah, he exercises. He does his walks. He yeah. eats better food, you know. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he, I think it was stress weight too. You know, when you're a little stressed, you pack it on. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> when you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. <laughs> yes, so. yes. Yeah, but they're, they're fun. Yes. See, this asking questions thing ain't that easy, is it? It's really not. It's not. For me, it is. Um, <laughs> when I hijacked your podcast at the beginning of this show, asked you what had happened was. So after this discussion, let's finish it with this. What had happened was. <laughs> what happened was, um, a really attractive young girl met this fella who was all right looking, but uh, he had a nice enough personality and good enough teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been friends to the end and always will be. And he knows her more than most people ever will. That sounds exactly like what had happened. (laughs) Thanks for coming, Troy. Well, thanks for taking over, Troy. Yes, it's my pleasure to be captain of the show. I love you. Love you too, baby. Thanks a lot for listening to the What Had Happened Was podcast. And thanks to Troy for coming in to grill me. Hey, crazy. This is the final episode for 2018. But don't worry, we're not done yet. We'll be back in 2019 for more stories from right here in the Gym City. Shoot me an email or find me on Facebook if there are people you love to hear from. The What Had Happened Was podcast is a product of Dayton.com, sponsored by Cox Digital Marketing. The show is written and produced by me, Amelia Robinson, in the WHIO Radio Studios. The show's artwork is by my buddy Troy Lyman of TL Creates. I hope you have the best new year ever. See you in 2019. Alligators and crocodiles. Bye-bye.